0: Well, hello, Parkview. Uh, Man, I love that video. It's not oftentimes you get to come up and speak after a bumper video with ACDC in it. It's just, it's not, it's, I love our church. Do you love our church? Uh, Yeah, I do. I just love us. I love what God is doing here. I I love how uh, we can be contemporary to our world and and yet not compromise what we're saying about God and his truth in the Bible. Uh, If you're joining us this weekend on any of our campuses over in Homer Glen, New Linux, Orland Park, online. Uh, I just want to say I'm so glad that you've made the choice to be here. And we are in the second week of this series called Back in the Black. And what we're talking about in this series is money. Everybody say money. 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 And uh, before, you know, you get anxious about that or that sort of thing, I just want you to know sincerely, uh, this series is not about what we want from you. This is all about what myself and Pastor Tim and the team at Parkview wants for you in your life. We want everybody on on all campuses to be able to experience financial freedom in your life. And so that's why we're taking just a few weeks here and talking about money. Because it seems to be one of the things that tangles us up so often and keeps us from experiencing freedom. Also, Jesus, who we follow and who we want to be like, he talked more about money than any other topic while he was here on this earth. So we're taking a little bit of time uh, to talk about it. And to get us all headed in the same direction today as we dive into week number two, I want us to begin by talking about this word right here, the word margin. And you know what margin is, right? Margin is like the amount that you have available beyond what is actually Needed. It's the extra, it's the reserves that you might have. That's the margin. For instance, uh, like let's say when you're reading a book or something like that, you're reading uh, the Bible, you pick it up and inside you have all kinds of uh, text, you have page numbers, you have headings. But then whenever you're reading a book, always at the edge, you have some margin. Right? Around the edges of the paper. When you're reading a book, they don't write all the way to the edge. Because you need that reserve. You need that margin. When you're driving your car down the highway, they, they give you some extra pavement. Right? They, they don't make the lanes on the freeway exactly the same size as your car. There, there's, there's a little bit extra on the freeway. And today as I'm teaching, the stage that I'm on is huge. I could walk all the way over to the side or all the way to the back. There's lots of room for me to walk around. However, if I start to walk closer and closer to you and get up to the edge of the stage, as I start to reduce my margin, some of you start to freak out a little bit because I'm getting animated and my toes are hanging over. You start to stress when I start to reduce my margin here on the stage. And I want to tell you why that is and how this applies to every area of our life. It's because as margin decreases, stress increases. Pastor Andy Stanley says this, I think it's absolutely true. In any area of our life, as margin decreases, stress increases. And I want us to spend some time just talking about this subject Today and how it really applies to our real lives because we live in a world that is basically marginless, a maxed out type of world. In fact, we live in a culture that celebrates a maxed out kind of life. Our, our world says it's perfectly normal for families, for instance, not to eat together in the evenings really ever because we all have so much going on. We have so much in our schedule. We live in a world where it's just normal for a husband and wife to only have a date every two or three months. Some of you are thinking, I would take every six months, Todd. That's what I, I, would, I would do. That. But it's just normal because, I mean, who has time to go on a date? We're married, right? And we have all kinds of other stuff going on in our lives. We live in a world where it's just normal to only spend time with God really on the weekend I mean, that's when it's carved out for God because during the week we have all kinds of other things going on in our lives. We, we live in a world where it's normal to bring work home from work. So now not only are you working on work at work, but you're working on work at home. We live in a world where it's normal to have two or three or four or five credit cards Pastor Tim said last weekend if you were around here He said the average American has 12 or 13 credit cards Just, just kind of normal It's normal to have 2 or 3 car payments It's normal to have a massive mortgage on our homes it, It's normal to just buy more, do more, accomplish more And here's what I want to say Don't miss this part, this is huge I am not against more I'm not against more I pray that God would give you more. I pray that God would bless you in your life with all kinds of amazing things. I pray that He would give you more. But here's my fear for, for many of you and for me that so many times we are living an unsustainable pace of life and, and even potentially an unbiblical pace of life. Virtually every single person I know lacks margin in their life, myself included. And when the margins max out, watch out, right? When the margins max out, watch out because that's when all kinds of crazy things can start to happen in our lives. And nowhere is this more obvious than in our financial lives. Now for most of us, when it comes to money, here's what we believe about money. If I just had more money, things would be better. If I just had more, Things would be better. In fact, if it was just you and me later on today having a coffee, maybe we're at a little table like this and we go get coffee somewhere and we're sitting there talking. You may say, Todd, I know you don't know me completely. You don't know my family and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Todd, listen, if I could just make like another five grand this year, everything would be okay. Right, or if I maybe not five grand, maybe if I could just make ten grand, Todd, I promise. If I could make ten grand or twenty-one thousand dollars, all I would need is twenty-one thousand dollars. If I could just make that much more, everything would just be great. Everything would be perfect, and I would say I understand that mindset. I get it because I've been there. But the truth is, it's probably that you don't need more money. It's probably that you need more margin, and the reason I can say that with confidence is because so many of you are making more money than you have ever made in your life. But you are also still more stressed out than you've ever been in your life. You see, the issue so many times that I wanna bring attention to today is not how much money you and I make. That's not what stresses us out. The issue is our lifestyle, oftentimes, that we allow to chase after our income. And when that happens, crazy things again can happen in our lives and here's what I want to do for the next just few moments I want to put four different scenarios up on this tv on the stage four different graphs if you will and I believe that every single one of you on all campuses anybody watching online you're going to see yourself in one of these graphs it doesn't matter if you come to church a lot or a little bit. It doesn't matter if you're even a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're following after Jesus. If, if, if you are a human being, which I believe most of us are, you're going to see yourselves in one of these scenarios. Okay? And some of us are very visual people. You have to kind of see it in pictures to have, have it, you know, in your head. And take it out with you. So that's why I want to do this. Here's what the charts look like. They're all three basically the same. But then I'm going to interact with them in a different way. This is a chart over here with your income on this side. Going from 25000 up to about $250,000. This down here on the bottom is your age in years. Basically from birth up to 100 years old. If God allows you to live that long. And this blue line right here in the middle. Going straight up and to the right. Signifies for, for most of us. Our income, for, for most of us, I know this is a broad brushstroke, but for most of us, as we get older, our income goes up and to the right. Now, it doesn't always just shoot up straight like that. Sometimes there's some peaks and valleys, and sometimes you make it a little bit more and a little bit less, but for most of us, it goes up and to the right. What I'm saying is, for most of us, you're making more at 33 years old than you made when you were 16 years old, for most of us. For most of us, you're making more at 51 years old than you made when you were 31 years old. It kind of goes up and to the right. And here's what happens for so many of us. This is the first place that some are living. Here's our income going up and to the right. And then here is our lifestyle. And we allow our lifestyle to keep pace right alongside our income. And we get a raise, and so it bumps up, and so we get a new car. And maybe we get a new job, and so we decide, you know what, we're going to get into a new house. And our lifestyle keeps right along pace with our income. Or maybe we get a big bonus, so we decide to take a new vacation or something like that, a big vacation. And our lifestyle keeps right in pace with our income. And what you have right here in this little space right here, that right there is your what? Your margin. And for so many of us, our margin is so small between what we make and our lifestyle that a lot of times it just, it just kind of stresses us out. But that's where we live a lot of times. It just keeps right in pace with our income. And this is very normal for us in our lives and for most people in this world. Now here's a second way to look at this. For some of us, again, our income going up and to the right. You know, I know dips and valleys, I get all that. But essentially this is what it does for some what happens is when we're in our you know teens and 20s it keeps pace you know our lifestyle keeps pace with our income but then maybe at some season of life in our late 20s or 30s or 40s here's what happens sometimes actually our lifestyle for a little while exceeds our income. And we bump up above our income. And we don't really have money for the car, but we go ahead and buy the car and finance it, or the boat. We go ahead and finance it. We don't exactly have money for the vacation, but we put it on credit cards, and we go ahead and exceed our income. We're living on 105 or 110% of our income. And what we're hoping and praying is, and what we believe is, and we have every reason to believe this, by the way, that our income is going to keep going up, and eventually, you know, they're going to cross again. But what happens here is you have this huge gap, and you actually have negative margin in your life when it comes to finances and and here's what i just want to point out and i pray you know that god and his holy spirit truly would just allow this maybe to make sense to you and you just say you know what that's wow that's kind of where i'm at here's what happens to us when we live in this way and we're stressed out it's not always that your boss it's just always a jerk. It's not always that your husband or wife just doesn't understand. It's not always that your kids are just, you know, disobedient and all that sort of thing. That's not all the reason you're stressed. That's what we say sometimes. But a big part of the reason that we're stressed is because we have no margin or actually negative margin in our lives financially. And, and, and here's the thing when you have very little margin, it doesn't take much to push you over the edge, right? When you have no margin in your life, it doesn't take much to push you over the edge. Somebody can just say one sentence and you lose it (laughs) because you have very little margin. So that's another way that we can live sometimes. And and, and then here would be uh, a a final way, And, and that is that, you know, your lifestyle here, you have your income going up and to the right, you have your lifestyle. While you're in your teens and 20s, you know, maybe even in your 30s, your lifestyle just continues to track with you know, your income, but then maybe as you get in your 30s or 40s, it starts to level out some, and and your income continues to go up in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, but your lifestyle begins to just level out in your 50s and your 60s, and it doesn't keep pace with your income. And what you end up having here is what? This huge, this huge level of margin in your life. And it reduces stress in your life and so many other things. Here's what I want to say to you, You and hear me on this. Your lifestyle should not keep pace with your income. Right? I know for some of you that's blowing your mind. You're like, what? Say that again. That is crazy talk. My lifestyle should not keep pace with my income, then why in the world do I want to make more? Right? But it's just true. I'm telling you, what the world is going to say to you is this lie that if you could just make more money, everything would be better. And I'm just telling you that that is not true. The reason so many people have financial stress in their lives has very little to do with income. And it has everything to do with margin, Whether you make 30 grand a year, 70 grand a year, 200 grand a year, it almost always has to do with margin. And so, listen to this as Christians, as followers of Jesus, I'm not calling you to limit your income. I pray that God will let you make as much as you can. Absolutely, and be generous with that. But what I am calling you to consider, what I am challenging you to consider, is limiting your lifestyle. Not your income, but your lifestyle. Don't always allow it to chase after your income, because here's the thing, when we lose track of financial margin in our lives, two things happen. Two things happen to us, and if you're taking notes today, these may be worth writing down. The first thing that happens is you rob yourself. When you have no financial margin, you rob yourself of lots of things. One of the things is joy. When you don't have financial margin in your life, it's hard to be joyful about things that you should be joyful about. It, it just is. It, it's, you rob yourself of the joy of ever paying cash for a car. You rob yourself of the joy of maybe helping out one of your kids with a car or helping out your kids, you know, with college or a down payment on a house or something like that. You would love to do it. I would love to do that for you, but I just, I can't because, you know, we're kind of living right here with very little margin. You, you rob yourself of joy of helping somebody who's in need, a family who needs food or a family who needs clothes or, or maybe you come to church on a weekend and you hear about like a mission trip or you hear about something that the church is sponsoring or, or a, a person you know who is going on a mission trip and, and they still need some money in. And you would love to give them a hundred bucks for their mission trip, but you can't because you're sitting there thinking, you know what, I just, I don't know if I gave them a hundred bucks if I'd be able to work out everything in my financial life. And, and it robs you, it robs me of the joy of just going, wow, awesome, you're going to Africa, I'm giving you three hundred bucks. That's so awesome, I can, I, I can do that in my life. It robs us of that joy, it robs us of peace. Because on the outside maybe of our lives, things look good. But on the inside, we know we're stressed out. And it's crazy because we're living in the nicest house we've ever lived in. We're driving the nicest car we've ever driven. But we're still stressed out about money. And what we say to ourselves is, if I could just make more money, things would be better. But the truth is, oftentimes we don't need to make more. We need to spend less. And when you and I have no margin in our lives, I promise you, we rob ourselves of a lot of these really cool things that God wants us to experience in this world. The second thing we do when we have no margin in our lives is you rob God. And this is probably even more heavy and more important to consider that you rob God. When we end up giving God just what's left in our life, We end up removing his blessing from our life and and that joy and the peace and all the other things that go along with it. And what I want to do here for the next, just the last kind of part of our study here this morning in week two of Back in the Black. Is I want to take us to a section of scripture that talks very clearly about this idea of how we rob God. It's in the book of Malachi. So if you have a Bible with you or smartphone or tablet or however you find scripture these days. uh, Locate the book of Malachi chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. This section of scripture that we're going to study today, it has, it has challenged and elevated my trust in God as much as anything. I remember when I first heard it, I was 18 years old. I was going to school over here in Chicago uh, at Judson College, and I was at Willow Creek Church, and I heard Malachi chapter 1. And I've hung on to it for the last several decades of my life. And I want you to know that this section of scripture in Malachi chapter. One, it's, it's not easy to preach, and it's also not easy probably sometimes to hear for some of you. And, and it, may bring, it may bring some conviction into your life. And in the next maybe five, six, seven, eight minutes, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you know, wow, this is heavy. I, Todd, I feel some conviction. I just want you to know that if you feel that way, it's, I, I predicted it. I told you it was coming. It's, it's, it's there's some conviction coming in passages like this, not only for you, but for me. It, it repurposes my life in a, in a big way. So Malachi chapter 1, let me tell you what's going on there before we dive in and read it. Several hundred years prior to when we're getting ready to read about here, what God did is he told his people that whenever you bring an offering to me, I want you to go out into your fields and I want you to find the very best offering the very best sacrifice, the very best lamb, if you will, and I want you to bring that offering to me. In Leviticus chapter 22, God actually says, I want it to be an offering without defect and without blemish. And for a period of time, God's people did that. God's people, when they were bringing an offering to him, they would go out into their fields, they would find their very best lamb, their very best offering, and they would take it and they would bring it to God and give it to him. But that is not what's happening during the days of Malachi. Let's take a look at what's happening in Malachi's day. and Let's just let God and His Holy Spirit speak into us. Malachi chapter one, verse eight. says, when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors. Pretty strong language, isn't it? That that somebody would shut the temple doors. Shut the doors to the church. Don't let anybody... In there, shut the temple door so that you would not light useless fires on my altars. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. You see what's going on in Malachi's day? Instead of these people going out into their fields and finding the very best lamb, their prized lamb, and and bringing it to God, they were doing exactly the opposite. They were going out into their fields, and they were trying to find and search for the lamb that was crippled, or lame, or blind, or diseased. And they would scoop up that lamb out of their fields, and they would bring it to God in the temple, and they would place that up on the altar, and they would say, Here you go, God! here's my offering, I hope you like it, and what Malachi says here is, listen, God doesn't like it, actually the whole deal is offensive to him, and, and better you offer no lamb at all than offer a blind, crippled, lame, leftover type of lamb, a lamb that costs you nothing, There's some conviction, isn't there? Probably for you and for me. Maybe it never even really occurred to you that when it comes, to giving back to God and offering our life and our energy and our resources back to God, that, that giving God leftovers from our life could actually be offensive. Maybe you had always just kind of thought and reasoned in your head, especially when we have our tithes and offerings and the plates, you know, come by on all of our campuses. Maybe you just kind of always thought, hey, listen, you know, okay, giving something's better than nothing, isn't it? I mean, God's probably just so pleased up in heaven that I'm actually even participating in this sort of thing. But what Malachi says to us here, and I believe what God says is he says to you and he says to me, and this is what's challenged me so much through my life. God says, listen, I don't want your leftovers. I don't want that which costs you nothing. I want your very best From your life, your energy, your resources. My kingdom on this earth deserves your best. What do we give to a God who has only ever given us his very best? How do we do that? How do we give God our best? We live in a maxed out world. We have all kinds of things going on this week. How do we actually do this? What's a principle that we can apply to our lives? If you want to write this down, here's the principle that we can apply to our lives that will help us to do what we're talking about here. Our giving to God should be a first priority. And I know that sounds so simple, but if you and I want to give God our best and not leftovers from our lives, make our giving to God, our energy, our time, our resources, our money, make it a first priority, first place in our lives. And to kind of play this out, let me just show you something about our, our money and kind of how our money works, right? there are basically five things that you can do with your money. And again, it doesn't matter if you come to church a lot or a little bit. It, it doesn't matter. If, it, it just doesn't matter. If you have money, these are the things you can do. You can spend it. You can repay debt with it. You can pay your taxes with money that you have. You can save it. Or you can give it away to, to other people and to God. These are basically the five things that any person on this planet can do with their money. Now, here's what's crazy. This right here is also for so many of us the order and the priority that we put our money. This is how we prioritize our money. And when we prioritize our resources and our money like this, God is always last. He's last. And, and, and if we haven't spent it all on ourselves, if, if we haven't used it all to pay our credit cards off, if the government hasn't taken it all, if we haven't saved it for us, then, then we give whatever is left. And whenever this is your financial plan for your life, God is always going to get leftovers from your life. And so here's the challenge this weekend, week number two, and back in the black. I want to give you a big like park view type of challenge. And that is simply this: to flip this list. Just flip the list. Of what the world says, what is normal, here's how you do it, here's how you do money. Just flip the list and begin to give to God first. Give him the first from your life. It doesn't matter the amount, whether that's $10 or $1,000, but make it first. Depending on what your income is. And then save some for you. You know you need to be saving some for you. And then pay the taxes that you owe, of course. And then repay the debts that you owe and and the credit cards or things like that. You're going to have to be doing that and hopefully that will keep shrinking. And then spend and live on what is left is what is left. And I'll promise you this, Parkview, you, if you do not get in the habit of giving to God first, you will get in the habit of giving to God leftovers. It's just the way it works. There are so many things, movies, television, cars, cell phones, vacations. There's so many things, kids, books, jobs, education. There's so many things that pull at our resources. You know this, it's the same as me. And if we don't get in the habit of giving to him first, we will get in the habit of giving him leftovers. Look at this verse in Proverbs. Chapter 3, verse 9. Honor God with everything you own. Give to him the first and best. Everybody say first. first. The first and best. And your barns will burst and your wine vats will brim over. I love that. I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty cool to me to have my wine vats brimming over. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I don't have a wine vat, actually. I'm not even sure what a vat is. Uh, but I, it, would, it sounds like a really good thing that your, your wine vats would, would brim over. Or your barns. I don't have a barn either, but I'd, I'd love the, if your barns are bursting. It, it sounds like probably a good issue to have. Maybe another more modern-day way to say this is that your bank account, your savings account, would be booming. You want to experience this in your life? You can't do all this in your life. You and I can't orchestrate and arrange all this in our life. But if, we, if you'll give to God first, and if you'll give God best, what he's going to do is he's going to do some things in your life, and your bank account, and it, it could potentially start to boom, and your barns could begin to burst, and your, your vats of wine could be brimming over, which sounds amazing. That's the kind of place where I want to live. What about this in Deuteronomy chapter 14? The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. The reason we give our tithe, our offerings, back to God is to show that he's first. It's not to keep God from going bankrupt, right? I mean, God's not, I promise you, God is not setting up in heaven today going, okay, okay, okay. It's it's getting kind of lean, In the kingdom. So if you could just you know do some money talks in all of our churches and no no I promise and that's not God's deal. He's not going bankrupt. The reason we tithe and give our resources back to God is not so that Parkview cannot be bankrupt or something like that. The reason is so that we can show that God is first place in our lives. That He's premier in our lives. And and one of the ways to do this. To give God first place is to pre-decide what we're going to return to him of our resources. Last weekend, Pastor Tim talked about this. He talked about automating the important things in our lives. The things that are really important to us in this culture in which we live. It hasn't always been this way. But these days, we automate those things so that we don't lose track of them. When it comes to my mortgage or something like that, I, I automate that mortgage because it's, it's important to me. I don't want to lose my home. I want to have a, a roof over our heads. So on the 29th of each month, it just comes right out of my bank account. When it comes to my cell phone, I don't want to lose my cell phone. And so it's, it's automated, my payment to AT&T. My, my direct TV, my satellite TV is especially because football season is coming back. Amen. Right, And I do not want to lose it during football season, and so I, I, don't, I don't leave any room. I mean, they just you know, that $80 or whatever it is, it goes right there because I've automated that because it's important in my life. My retirement is important to me, and I, I know I don't put as much in there as I probably should, but there's little pieces of every check that go right into that in retirement. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that one of the ways that you and I in this world in which we live can put God first in our life is to pre-decide what we're gonna to give to him, we can automate that by setting it up online, especially as we head into the summertime when we're all traveling here and there. The way we can be sure not to just give God leftovers from our life is to automate it. And you can do that on Parkview website, it's in your program today, all those things, but essentially it's saying this. This is what it's saying for you, for me. God, you are the first priority in my life. And I don't want there to be any chance of me giving you leftovers. And so I'm going to put some systems in place to make sure I give back to you. Because I do not want you to be down there on the bottom rung after everything else is covered. I want to give back to you first. So here's the next step today. Back in black, week number two. Decide today that you will never give God leftovers again. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what I'm going to have to rearrange, but here's what I know. I'm just I'm not going to give God leftover time, energy, or money anymore. I'm going to put him in the first place of my life. And I'm going to give you some time here on all campuses just to think and pray about this. And we're going to have a time where I pray and we're going to sing a song about trusting God with our lives, with our resources. And during this time, we're going to receive our our tithes and offerings and some of you have come and you're ready you have a check or cash you do that on a weekly or monthly basis and that's awesome I'm so glad others of you when the offering goes by uh, today you're not going to put anything in there because you've already automated it it just happens it, it's you're given back to God already it's done and and that's what where you've put him in your life but there's also many many others who are still trying to figure this out and and you haven't automated it and You know, if we were to give back to God today, like for me, if I was to give cash, I have like $3, which is super lame, right? I I never have more than $3. I don't know why. That's like my max. Anyway, um, that would be, you know, that's just not, this wouldn't be a good offering. And so there's some of you who are in that boat too. And so I just want to challenge you during this offering time to just spend some time in prayer and say, you know what, God, I, uh, this is challenging. This is convicting. I need to automate this important thing in my life. And make sure you're at the first place. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity that that we have to come and to sing and, and to study. God, in this world that we live in where we get going so busy and this week has so many demands on our lives and it's so easy to have no margin, it's so easy to be maxed out. God, I pray that this little message on margin would sink into all of our lives with our families with our lifestyle that we would see the wisdom in it not from me but from God from you and from your word God I pray that we would decide this weekend that you're going to be premier in our lives that you're not going to be the last part of the rung in the ladder of our financial lives that we're going to figure out how to give back to you first and best God thank you for this time. Thank you for these tithes and offerings. I pray that you would bless these folks and that their barns would burst and their wine vats would brim over. And when that happens, God, that we would give you all the glory and praise for those things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.